I have a creation story to share with you. Once upon a time, a long time ago, all the way back, in fact, during those very first moments of the Big Bang, there was a humble particle named Quark. <laughs> and Quark was just chilling, hanging out in the emptiness of space with all of her particle friends, simply enjoying existence. And then one moment, about three seconds after the Big Bang, which, by the way, is an eternity for a particle, Quark started to get a little curious. She noticed that there was this urge within her, pulling her towards some of her other particle friends. And she thought to herself, I wonder, I wonder what might happen if I joined up with those nice particles over there. And so she met up with her friends, another couple of quarks, and then all of a sudden, her curiosity was rewarded. They got together and they attracted an electron that had been buzzing around, just waiting for something cool to happen, and they became a hydrogen atom. <laughs> but they were still curious. In fact, they were a little bit more curious. And while being a hydrogen atom was great, there's a lot more freedom as a hydrogen atom, and they even had an electron that they could play with now, this group of quarks wondered what more might be. And so they kept on joining and growing together, bringing all of their hydrogen friends together, making new elements through a whole bunch of fusion parties until one day, after about a few billion years of this curiosity, they noticed something amazing had happened. Their curiosity had turned them into a whole star. And they burst with energy, igniting, for the first time shedding warmth and light throughout the entire cosmos. And to this day, a tiny little planet named Earth is warmed by the light that came from these very first sparks of curiosity. Indeed, it's the very same curiosity that resides within the human hearts that created this blazing star. And it's this curiosity that makes those sometimes weird little humans, <laughs> makes them seek out the unknown and gives them the courage they need to walk in all the dark places. <laughs> curiosity, oh, I love talking about curiosity because... The more I think about it, the more I recognize that curiosity is inherent in the very fabric of the universe itself. It's that spark that forms relationships. And through these relationships brings more complexity, more life into our universe. And it's a complexity that transcends yet includes all of the parts that make it up. Now, I'm not quite sure what might have caused that Big Bang, and if anybody tells you they know exactly what it is, please take them with a dump truck of salt, because nobody knows. <laughs> and by the way, that Big Bang was this one moment of infinite expansion that created the universe that we are in now. In fact, it created us. 
I am sure, though, that there must have been some spark of curiosity, some desire by something, Ernest might call it the thing itself, to answer this simple question, what if? After all, why go through the trouble of creating a giant and humongous infinite universe if not to find out what's going to happen? <laughs> so in that way, I find curiosity to be a connecting force. It opens us up to forming new relationships with the unknown. It helps to ask that question, what if? And it pushes past our reservations into uncharted territory. Curiosity is what caused sailors to circumnavigate our globe. It, caused the Wright brothers to build the very first airplane, transforming the way that we travel. It caused science itself, and the benefits of which we have here now with the lights that are on that we perhaps take for granted, or even this live stream that we're on. All of this is a product of curiosity and so much more. Curiosity is taking the unknown and bringing it into ourselves and making it known. Now, the longer that I'm on this tiny little planet that we live on, the more curious I find myself becoming. And unfortunately, that sometimes means that I get a few too many hobbies. For example, last year I bought my first telescope to view the stars. I'd always loved stargazing and looking up at the stars and finding a dark site, you know, if I was out camping or just, you know, in the wilderness. Um, and just looking at the grandeur that is our cosmos. And so I got this telescope and I researched it, you know, I was curious about the telescope, how it worked, and figured all that stuff out and went out for the first time and pointed my telescope at the Andromeda Galaxy. Now, when you look at the Andromeda Galaxy through most consumer telescopes, you're going to see something that looks kind of like a galaxy, though it's more of like a white blob. <laughs> but I knew more because of that curiosity. You see, I had researched about the Andromeda Galaxy too before I went to look at it. And you know what I found? I found that this galaxy, which is the closest galaxy to our own, the Milky Way, is nevertheless two and a half million light years away from us. So what that means is that the light that I was viewing through my telescope in that moment had taken two and a half million years to get to me. Humans didn't even exist when those first photons of light shot off of those stars on their way over to us. Are you curious yet? <laughs> now, if that doesn't spark your curiosity, there is a much more expensive telescope that we can look through. It's called the James Webb Telescope, and it was launched into the depths of our solar system so that it could get away from all of the light pollution and things that would make it really hard for astronomers to really take a good look at the universe that we live in. 
And Lyle, can you bring that slide up for me? So this is one of the very first photos that the James Webb Telescope ever took. It's called a deep field image, and they call it that because it is exactly that. It's taking a deep picture of a portion of our sky. Now, in that photo, what's going on? Well, there's a couple of stars there, and you can tell the stars because they've got rays coming off of them. That's called a diffraction pattern. But behind all of those stars, each and every one of those points of light is a galaxy. Every single one. In fact, there's thousands just in that image alone. And each one of those galaxies is made up of billions of stars, just as our own is made up of billions of stars. And are you ready for the kicker? <laughs> what we are looking at here, which has been all nicely blown up for us to be able to see on these projectors, is the equivalent of the amount of night sky of a single grain of sand held about this far away from our face. Are you curious yet? <laughs> this is the vastness of the universe that we live in. Thank you, Lyle. And I sometimes wonder, is there someone in one of these galaxies who's sharing this moment of curiosity with us? Might they be watching our galaxy through their own very expensive telescope? <laughs> also finding inspiration in the abundance and the diversity of our universe. Albert Einstein once said this of curiosity, said the most beautiful thing that we can experience is the mysterious. It is the source of all true art and science. They to whom the emotion is a stranger who can no longer pause to wonder and stand wrapped in awe, are as good as dead. <laughs> Their eyes are closed. The insight into the mystery of life, coupled though it, be, though it be with fear, has also given rise to religion, to know what is impenetrable to us really exists, manifesting itself as the highest wisdom and the most radiant beauty which our dull faculties can comprehend only in their most primitive form, this knowledge, this feeling, is at the center of true religiousness. So, curiosity is baked into spirituality. It's part of being spiritual. You saw one of our spiritual practices is spiritual study. And by its very nature, true curiosity, a curiosity that is free from judgment, that isn't trying to control anything, heals division. By stoking the flames of that curious heart that resides within each one of us, that curiosity leads us to create new relationships. And these new relationships add to the richness of life and by their very nature form bonds in all of the dark places where once there was separation. And by the way, this isn't just division we might see outside of us. This is also curiosity that we can direct inward. Creating new relationships with ourselves to heal the wounds that we might have picked up through the challenges of just being alive and being human. 
I've found that as I go through my own journey of growth, I've learned that the power of being curious about those parts of myself that might be acting a little weird (laughs) or a little funky or a little um, immature, well, that has been a powerful practice for me and it wasn't always that way. Sometimes those challenging parts, I let them run the show and I have to admit when I was younger that I was more frustrated with them than I was interested in meeting them. In fact, I didn't really like to meet them because if I was, it meant that something weird was going on. But the more I learned to honor my own inner curiosity and to direct it inward, the more I came up with this question, what if? What if instead of being an adversary to these parts of myself, I found a way to befriend them? What if I found the time and the energy to understand them and to find out what it is that they're needing? And it shifted. It shifted everything because what I found is that these parts, these weird parts myself that were just doing what the parts of our mind tend to do, well, they just wanted to be seen and acknowledged. They were looking for the same healing that I knew I was looking for and they just didn't know how. And so my curiosity led me to really build a relationship with them in a way that allowed them to be seen and heard for the first time, allowed them to set aside the burdens that they had been carrying. They knew they didn't have to do these weird, funky things to try and get my attention anymore because now they had it, which was great. And there was a fabulous side effect that came from this kind of curiosity, directing this curiosity inward, and that is it increased the curiosity I had about the world around me. And it's not surprising to me that this happened because, and I'm sure you can agree with me, that isn't it hard to be curious about the world around us when we haven't even become curious about ourselves? Yeah. If we're having a hard time being curious about everything that's around us, it can be really challenging. And so that's why I think it's so necessary for us to do our work to build up that curiosity about our inner life first, to find out what motivates us, to find out what is asking for healing within us. Because once we do that, oh boy, does that stoke those flames of curiosity about everything else. In fact, I've found that making curiosity a state of being for me has even been a remedy for those times when I might have been feeling down. And author T.H. White, who has a fabulous characterization of Merlin the wizard from the Arthurian legends, he writes in his novel, The Once and Future King, and I'm going to do my best here to not go into my Merlin the wizard voice (laughs) because I'm very tempted. The best thing for being sad, replied Merlin, beginning to puff and blow, is to learn something. That's the only thing that never fails. You may grow old and trembling in your anatomies. You may lie awake at night listening to the disorder of your veins. You may miss your only love. You may see the world about you devastated by evil lunatics or know your honor trampled in the sewers of baser minds. There's only one thing for it then, to learn. Learn why the world wags and what wags it. 
that is the only thing which the mind can never exhaust, never alienate, never be tortured by, never fear or distrust, and never dream of regretting. Learning is the only thing for you. Look what a lot of things there are to learn. And so when I turn my curiosity outward, often to learn ways that I can help to heal division, I get such great inspiration from the story of Archbishop Desmond Tutu and all of the work that he did in South Africa to end apartheid. And what really gets my curiosity going is how he did this. And a lot of the things that I learn about were that he had this infectious laughter, this attitude, this, this sort of like life force that just bubbled out of him. And oftentimes that with a combination of many stories would be enough to defuse some incredibly tense situations. He also held these amazing interfaith services in Cape Town bringing together Christians and Muslims and Jews all under one roof. Now, such a thing doesn't happen without a little bit of curiosity. And I think in Desmond Tutu's case that his curiosity seemed to be about how each of us sees and understands the divine and how our shared faith can bring us together. So perhaps you're wondering at this point, how can I have more curiosity in my life? Yeah? No? Nobody wants to be more curious? (laughs) Well, if you have a problem like I do, you can get another hobby. (laughs) Have I mentioned that I have too many hobbies? (laughs) Think, though, is there something that you want to try you've never tried before? If so, give it a shot. Find out if it's for you. Answer that question, what if? And trust me, there are so many hobbies in this world that I'm sure there is one that piques your curiosity. And for example, because I have too many hobbies, I recently picked up a new hobby. (laughs) And that hobby is 3D printing. And I'm sure the staff is tired of me showing them all of my 3D prints and all that fun stuff, but there's going to be more, trust me. And for those who don't know, 3D printing is where, um, you know, you know a regular printer, it prints on a piece of paper just like this. Well, a 3D printer does it in three dimensions, and it has this filament of plastic that, in a very fine line, it extrudes out on your base plate, and it draws the thing that you're printing line by line until from the bottom to the top you have whatever it is that you printed. And I took a chance on this. I had no idea how much I would love doing it. It has sparked my creative curiosity in ways that I never thought possible. In fact, I actually have some things now that are for sale in our bookstore that you can buy that I've been printing, and I never thought I would ever sell anything in a bookstore, let alone that. I thought I'd be like, I'm going to write a book and put it in the bookstore. No. (laughs) So you never know where your curiosity might lead you 
But I do know that oftentimes that curiosity is going to lead you to a place of joy, of creativity, of learning, of growth. If, though, you do find that perhaps you're at your limit for the number of hobbies that you have, (laughs) I haven't hit mine quite yet, but I feel like I'm up there, (laughs) maybe consider learning about the very fabric of nature itself. Physics and math and biology, learning about people and the science of people, even being out in nature gets my creativity and my curiosity going. And I bet that it can do the same for you. I love going into nature and just being like, hmm, I wonder what that squirrel's thinking. It's kind of giving me a funny look. <laughs> or, you know, I wonder where these trees originally came from. You know, what, what did the seed look like? How old are they? What's going into this giant ecosystem that just seemingly manages itself? It creates questions. It creates curiosity. One thing you might consider doing is taking a class here at the center. We've got plenty of classes coming up. I know Reverend Tara has a book study that's going to be starting soon that you'll hear about from Nancy. Um, Dr. Edward has a class that's starting on Tuesday that you can still sign up for, and we have classes throughout the year and workshops. And that's a wonderful way to point your creativity or your curiosity flashlight at spirit itself to learn about this thing called spirit that we study here at the center. Maybe you could consider learning a new language. Language is amazing because it helps us to express and to fulfill that inner curiosity. And think about how you could expand your curiosity through a language that you don't know right now. After Reverend Blanca Mejia from CSL Merida spoke at our VISTA convention this past Tuesday, it was an amazing talk, but she she did it in Spanish, and I had to have a translation headset, and I think, wow, you know, wouldn't it have been great if I didn't need that translation headset? I would have gotten so much more out of it. And being monolingual, if I'm honest, I have to say, like, learning a new language does feel pretty scary, but I'm going to give it a shot and see where my curiosity leads me. You could also read a book. I love reading fiction, and particularly I love reading science fiction because that genre, more than any other genre, does such a good job of asking that question, what if? So I always have a really good book in my queue Because I know that I can always go back to that and have my imagination sparked, my curiosity sparked. And finally, you might consider doing an inventory, looking at your life and seeing all of the good things that are here now in your life as a result of your curiosity. Maybe it's the relationship that you're in where one day you were curious, like, I wonder wonder what's up with that person. Hmm. <laughs> and they were like, I wonder what's up with that person too. Or maybe your job was the result of you thinking, what if I am the person to do this? And there's so many more things that I could list. 
you might say that you could get curious about how your curiosity works in your life. You might get curious about what it is that makes you curious and list that down because then if you do feel your curiosity waning, as you know, we all do, we all feel that happen, go back to that list. Do the things on that list that you know push that curiosity button. In fact, we can do a little practice with curiosity now. So if it feels good, you can go ahead and close your eyes. And take in a deep breath. And take this moment to check in with your inner self. Perhaps asking yourself, what is it that makes you most curious? And then imagine what it feels like to follow that thread of curiosity. What are you doing? to follow that thread of curiosity? Are you learning anything new? This is an important question. Is there anything that might be preventing you from honoring this curiosity? And if there is anything that feels like it's getting in the way, what might it be like for you to simply let it go? And let us take this moment now to simply allow that curiosity within you to have a life of its own. Imagine that you are honoring this curiosity and watch where it leads you. So let us take another deep breath, breathing in and out. And when we feel ready, go ahead and open your eyes. How was that? Find a little bit more curiosity. The more that I honor the curiosity that is inherent within me, it's always been there the more I notice something amazing happens in my life. I find myself to be more connected to life itself. I feel myself more connected to spirit and to the divine. I see healing in myself. For those parts of myself that might have been asking for healing, that might have been feeling hurt or neglected, And I see such better relationships between myself, the world, and the people around me. Just imagine, get a little curious, ask yourself that question, what if, what if our world had just 1% of people who are just a little bit more curious? What would our world look like? What would it be like? Curiosity opens us up to accepting into our hearts that which is unknown, that which feels like it is other from us. And it's that acceptance that builds bridges. It creates bonds. It inspires us to transcend our old ways of being in favor of boldly trekking 
into the unknown. The world needs our curiosity. So my question to have all of us ponder for the next few weeks is how can we live our curiosity out loud? Thank you.